So last Sunday, I was on the deck of a ship in the Caribbean. It was 85 degrees. Sun was shining. The weather was beautiful. Monday morning, I pulled into Port Canaveral. I pulled in because I was driving the ship. Uh, we pulled into Port Canaveral, and I've been cold ever since then. So, welcome to winter. But it is Georgia, so it might be 90 Tuesday. I don't really know how that's going to work. But we had a great time, and it was fun to get away. It was fun being with people we love, and we met a whole lot of neat people along the way. And actually, it's kind of interesting. I was telling the folks Wednesday, when you're talking about something in church and you actually get to do it along the way, it just it's kind of great how God just kind of pulls everything together. And so we've been talking about this idea of this life on mission, and kind of our jumping off point every week is, is the Mark Twain quote, which says, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And we've been talking about that every week. And this series is about the second part of that, finding out why you were born. Now, if we're not careful, that becomes a really big thing because that's about life's purpose. And life's purpose is huge. And, and so sometimes you think about your life's purpose and you go, I don't know if I want to find out why I was born because that seems really big and ominous and challenging and and, and maybe it's going to be this really big challenge that I don't know if I can do it. And, and I think that's why God just tells us what we need to know when we need to know it. And doesn't tell us the things we don't need to know. Doesn't burden us with the details all the time, but just gives us the little part we need to know so he can do his much larger part. But what I want to talk about today, and I really think this whole life on mission thing is all about I want to, we want to break this down into really, really simple steps. Okay, so, so I want you to consider this. What you were born to do is to be at the right place at the right time. Now just think about that for a second. What you were born to do is to simply be where God puts you when God puts you there. Because God's going to put someone in your path that needs you to meet them where they are. And it's as simple as that. It's not huge. It's not overwhelming. It's, it's really simple. I believe what you were born to do is be where God needs you to be. When he needs you to be there. And the really cool thing is, that changes a lot as things go along the way. So I want to tell you a story. Uh, it's, it's in this book we've been using, Life on Mission, but I actually heard the guy that happened to tell the story firsthand. Uh, Kyle Ottoman is a really cool guy. He is a teaching pastor at Southeast Christian Church. He's in transition to being the lead pastor as, as Dave steps away. And he tells this story. Now, before I start, if you fly, I need to give you the, the disclaimer because everything I'm about to say cannot happen today. But if you, were, if you flew in the post-9-11 world, you remember how loose and goose it was and how easy it is to get on the wrong airplane. And if you go, it's not possible, I'm here to tell you, you can get on the wrong airplane. All right? And so I used to be really paranoid about that. So when I flew somewhere, I would like, oh, now we're going here. We're going right. We're going right. This is the plane. And this is why. So Kyle is in Atlanta, and he's, he's at California at the time he's, before he's moved to Kentucky. And he's been speaking at this thing, and he's flying back. And he meets a guy, a friend of his, in the airport. And they're talking, and they get on the plane together, and he, they're walking back to their seat. And he says, man, why, why are you going to California? Dude says, I'm not going to California. I'm going to Dallas. 
He says, brother, this plane's going to California. No, no, I, no, this plane's going to Dallas. Well, I'm pretty sure this plane's going to California. And the guy who knew for certain he was going to Dallas started getting really upset about it. Started getting mad. No one likes being told they're wrong, right? Got kids? You know what I'm talking about, right? No one likes being told that they're wrong. And, and everyone thinks what they think is right. And so he just backed off. He said, okay, have a nice flight. And he went to sit down. And the guy who was sitting beside him on the plane, who didn't know him, says, is that guy your friend? He said, yeah. He said, are you going to really let him fly to California? He says, well, you heard me. I tried to tell him. And, and I, mean, I mean, he's. I'm tired of getting yelled at, to be honest. And I don't really know if I want to talk to him about this anymore. The guy says, so you're just going to let him fly to California? I appear so. Be an awesome joke to play, by the way. So anyway, but he sat down and he thought about it. And he says, you know, I really can't let this go. So he flagged down a stewardess and told her the story. And she went and talked to the guy. And the next thing you know, this guy's sprinting off the plane because he's on the plane going to California. And he just found out that he wants to go home to Dallas. Now, he told this story, but in the book he has this. And I want to, I want to read this. This is what he says in the book. He says, now I ask you, is it arrogant or compassion to tell him that this plane will not take him where he thinks he wants to go? Think about that. Is it arrogant or is it compassion? See, that's the question. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Letting him land in California, that would be arrogant. All right? Told you so. Back in the day, that's what I would have done. I'm just being honest. Back in the day, we got off the plane and go, hey, dude, we're up. This in Dallas? Why didn't you tell me? I tried, right? That, in a nutshell, is really the problem we have in our world today. And it's a cultural problem. And it's a people problem. No one likes being told they're wrong. No one likes being told that what they're doing is not going to take them to the place they want to go. Nobody likes that. Everyone thinks they know the way, they know better, their plan is the right plan, their way is the right way, and it is a cultural problem. And to tell someone who believes that their path is going to take them where they want to go, well, that's arrogance. That's self-righteous. That who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is, is not going to take me where I want to go? That's kind of the attitude we get. If you've ever had a conversation with someone, man, I'm telling you, those things can turn sideways really fast. So something we talk about a lot around here, and, and, and so I want to share with you the reality of life. It's really simple. Heaven is real, and hell is real. That's a fact. Doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter what we hope for. There's a place called heaven, there's a place called hell, and every person who has ever had breath will spend eternity in one of those two places. Everybody will. That's a fact. It's not arrogant. It's not self-righteous. It's not judgmental. It, it's, it's not, ah, I, I gotcha. It's a fact. So I want you to consider this. Here's our kind of our jumping off point today. Is it arrogant or is it compassion to tell someone that all paths do not lead to heaven? Think about that. Is it arrogance or is it compassion? 
See, there's a difference in the two. Arrogance is about, I'm right. Compassion is about, man, I want to make sure you are okay. Compassion is about the other person. Arrogance is about me. So here's what it means. It means living a life on mission is choosing to embrace the compassion required to share Jesus with people. That's what it is. Choosing compassion. And it's all about being where God wants you when He wants you there. That, that's it. It's, it's, and it's not any bigger than that. Being where God wants you when He needs you there. Which can happen any day, anywhere, at any time. We'll talk about that in a bit. Jesus said this, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That's His purpose. His, and, and Jesus shared the reality of heaven, the reality of hell. So that's what a life on mission is all about. The compassion to tell people, man, where you, the path you think you're going on is not going to take you where you want to go. And here's the truth. There's nothing closer to the heart of God than lost people becoming found people. There's nothing closer to the heart of God. If you have one of these red little wristbands on, and some of you do, there's seven words on here. Seven words. Found people, find people. People who were found used to be lost. Now they're found. Found people are saved. Found people who are saved should find people who are lost. That's our purpose. And then the other three words are who's your one. It's a reminder that it's not just random people. It, there should be a somebody in our life man, that we are investing in. You don't have to tell them. You don't have to make it obvious. You just invest in people. Make, and we talk about this almost every week. It's been said almost every week. Make a difference with the person God puts in your path every day. That's a life on mission. Every single day, I will make a difference, whatever that looks like. Sometimes, a difference is just having a conversation with a guy who's serving you on a cruise. And you find out that he spends six months on a boat. And only spends two months with his family, and he's back on for six months. And you realize, man, that's, a, that's quite a sacrifice to take care of your family. Or... Or, or you meet a guy sitting in the lodge who's, who's, a, who's a, a grandfather and he's there with his kids and he's, and he's dying of cancer. And he's just so happy that his family's together for what may be. He says, every vacation may be my last. That's what he told me. But he said, but every vacation may be your last too, my friend. Make a difference. The people God puts in your path. Because here's the deal. You and I are God's plan for reaching people. You and, God, you and I are God's plan for making a difference. You and I are God's plan to help people who are drifting. We're the plan. We're it. God's plan to make a difference in the world, that's us. Coach, teacher, parent, friend, grandparent, boss, employee, doesn't matter. Our job is to make a difference in people's lives. That's what God has called His followers to do. So let's understand this, and we talked about this every week. It's, it's not our job to save people, right? I mean, it's, it's not our job. It's not our responsibility. It can't save people. What I learned back in the day when I was a lifeguard, and that's a scary thought, I'm, I'm sure, for some of you, but like, do you really want me watching your kids? Somebody did, you know, back in the day, but here's the thing. You know what you can do when someone's in the water and having a hard time? You can pull them out. 
you know what you can't do? Keep them from going back in. You, you, you can't do that. It's not my job to save people. It's not your job to save people. It's not my responsibility. But clearly, clearly, biblically, scripturally, the reality of life is we have a responsibility to share Jesus to make a difference in people's lives. We've been called to do that. Jesus said this. We talked about it the very first week. He said, the harvest is great. He said, we don't have a harvest problem. Got all kinds of, got all kinds of people out there who don't have a harvest problem. Got a worker problem. We need workers. Paul says it this way in Romans. How can they call on him and, and to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Interesting questions. How can, how can they call on Jesus if they've not heard? And how can they hear if someone doesn't tell them? Right? Jesus said it this way. I mean, you, you will be my witness. You, me. My responsibility is to be God's representative in the world. If you're a Christian, your responsibility is to be God's representative in the world. Corporately, it's our responsibility to be God's representative. You will be my witness. Tell people about me everywhere. Everywhere your feet touch the ground, everywhere your tires take you, however you get there, wherever you are, whatever reason you are there, your job, your responsibility is to make a difference. And you can be the boss and make a difference. And you can be a teacher and make a difference. You can be a coach and make a difference. You can be an employee and make a difference. You have breath, you can make a difference. We just have to have the wherewithal to embrace compassion. So here's what happens. Here's where it breaks down. Where it breaks down is this, and I hear this all the time. I would do it, but I don't know what to do. You know that phrase, I wish I had a nickel every time? I have a lot of nickels. If I, if I could have every time someone said to me, you know what, I would, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to be. I, don't, I just don't know what to say. I don't know enough about the Bible. I can't quote the Bible like you. I'm like, brother, I can't quote the Bible. So, I mean, it's just, how do I do it? So let's go back to where it starts, and we're going to dive into this thing. Your purpose, my purpose, is to be where God wants you to be when God wants you to be there for such a time as this. Your greatest attribute is to be willing to be available. And that's it. So I'm going to give you a crash course. This is Bible 101, how to make a difference in someone's life. I'm just going to lay it out for you. So this is from the book of Acts. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to meet a guy named Philip. Now Philip is not, this is not the Philip who was one of the 12 disciples. This is a different guy, Philip. This guy was present with Jesus from the get-go. He was present with 120 gathered together early in Acts. He was present the day of Pentecost. He was present when the church was launched. He was a force in the early church. And when, the, and when persecution drove the, the Jerusalem church from basically you know, all over the world, he went to the Samaritan people. And it's while he's with the Samaritan people that God calls him for a special purpose. Now, I'm going to tell you this up front. So you can kind of, this will kind of bake through. Philip is being called to do something that is so monumentally important. 
If God told him what was at stake, it would probably freak him out. But he didn't. He just told him what he needed to know. His peace. He didn't tell him what was at stake. He just said, you do your peace. I say it almost, I say it almost every day on a, on a ball field or on a court or wherever. Your job is to do your job. Philip's job is just to do his job. Just do your job. And so here's his job. So beginning in uh, chapter 8 of Acts, beginning in verse 26. And we're going to go talk through this thing, okay? As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Two places you've heard about, I'm sure. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. So let's stop there. So Philip, here's, here's God's great plan for Philip. I need you to take a walk. I just, need you to, I just need you to walk down the road. And that's all he tells him. That's it. Be available and go walk. And Philip goes, okay, I'll go for a walk. And he meets this, this dude who is a really important person in the government of Ethiopia. But he doesn't really know if that's why he's there. He doesn't really know what he's there for. He just knows he's supposed to be on that road. Right? That's all he knows. That's all the Lord told him. Just go for a walk. Now we're going to learn some things about the eunuch. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And now he was returning, seating in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So... Let's learn some things about the eunuch. If in that period in history, if you went to Jerusalem to worship, you were really, really curious about Jesus. You were really curious about Jesus if you went to Jerusalem to worship at this place and time in history. So he's curious about Jesus. And he's reading, it says book. I mean, it's like a scroll. You know, it's really what he's reading. They didn't have books back in the day. You know, it's not his iPad or his smartphone. He's just reading a big old scroll. And he's scrolling through reading Isaiah, which if you were here at Christmas, is kind of like the fifth gospel because the whole life of Jesus is laid out for us in Isaiah 800 years before he's born, right? So here's Philip. Let's go back to Philip, right? So go for a walk. Okay. Where he meets a guy coming back from Jerusalem, reading from the, what we would call the book of Isaiah. All right, so now things get interesting. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. So now I'm taking a walk down the road and I'm just going to walk by this carriage. What's next? Here's the thing. This is where instructions end from the Lord. This is where instruction ends from God. Get on the road, go walk by the carriage. So Philip figures out pretty quick, this is the guy God put in my path. But he doesn't know why. He doesn't know what he's going to say. He doesn't have it all planned out. It's not mapped out, right? And maybe he doesn't even realize who he is. So, verse 30, Philip ran over, heard the man reading from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? So let's put this in modern terms. Philip jogs over. You know, I always think picture the Bionic Man. You guys remember him, Steve Austin? I don't know if that's how it worked, but I kind of always picture him doing that, you know, the slow motion run, and he gets over there. And basically this is what he says. Hey, man, what you reading? That's, that's how it starts. Hey, what are you reading there? 
I'm reading from Isaiah. Well, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> no. I don't get this. Do you get this? And, and maybe Philip goes, you know what? Isaiah's tough, man. It's tough, man. It's a tough read. It's tough for me too. Verse 31, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? All right. He urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. Philip goes for a walk on the road. Doesn't know who he's going to meet, so the Lord says, there's your guy. Doesn't tell him to do anything except for, hey, now go, go, jog, go jog by the carriage. And then conversation and instruction stops. From there, it's all on Philip. Philip needs an icebreaker. What you reading? Um, it's a crazy book called Isaiah, and I don't get it. You know, you don't understand that? No, I don't understand that. And so maybe they start reading, and that's all they're doing. Look, at this point in time, so now Philip is, goes from walking down the road to jogging beside the carriage, to now he's in the carriage. And that's it. And that's it. Nothing else. His greatest attribute, he was, he was available. That's it. So when you say, I don't know what to do, sometimes what you do is just to be where you're supposed to be so God can do what God's supposed to do. And it can happen on a boat. It can happen at, at a restaurant. It can happen at a mall. It can happen at church. It can happen at work. It can happen in your living room. It can happen at a ball game. It can happen anywhere. Because wherever you are, there's always a potential that God's going to use you to do something. It's always there. Now, here's what Philip didn't do. He didn't try to force a conversation right up to this point. He's not, right, I got to look for a way in. I got to look for a way in. I look for a way in. Hey, dude, if, if, if you die today, you're going to heaven? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I've never used that. And, 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 and maybe you have, and if that works for you, that's okay. That's great. But I want to explain to you why I don't do that. You know, because people say, if you die today, you know if you're going to heaven or hell. Well, if I'm that person, then I'm going to respond because I'm scared of going to hell instead of responding to the love of Jesus. And what's biblically clear is God's called us to respond to him in love and obedience, not in fear of what might happen. But it's a reality. But see, Philip didn't do that. And so sometimes we go, well, how do I force a conversation? How do I force a conversation? How do I do that? And here's the answer, you don't. When God cracks a door open, you just put your foot in the door. And right now, God cracked the door open. Philip put his foot in the door, and he's just waiting to go the rest of the way in. He's just waiting. He doesn't really know how this is going to go. He just, you know, he's just... There. So let me tell you what's at stake before we go any further. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen, then we're going to talk about it and read it. This is about to be the first time in recorded history that a person from the continent of Africa accepts Christ. First time in recorded history. Which means this guy is going to be the guy who's going to take the gospel back to his country so then it can go to the continent of Africa. There is a lot at stake. Imagine telling Philip, oh, here's the deal. I need you to go to the road to Jerusalem and Gaza. You're going to meet this eunuch. He's an he's a African. He's from Ethiopia. And here's what's at stake, dude. 
you're going to lead him to me, and he's going to go to to Africa, go home, and start leading people there. Don't mess this up. There's a lot at stake. Imagine if the Lord would have told Philip everything that was at stake. If I'm Philip, man, I'm looking. For, I'm looking for a way in. I'm not waiting for the door to crack. I'm trying to knock it down because I don't want to mess this up. But Philip was only told what he needed to know. What you need to know is go for a walk. He met a dude. He asked him what he was reading. And now they're, on a, they're riding together. Big stakes. Had no clue. That's how God works. He doesn't tell us the, the view from 30,000 feet. He just tells us the view from 10. Because it's all we need to know. Because sometimes the view from 10 can be overwhelming. Imagine seeing it from 30,000 feet. A lot at stake. Tim Harlow in his book, Lawful Mission, says this. He says, you can't imagine all that God wants you to do. Our evangelism plans are way too small. If you achieve all you projected, you probably didn't get all the Lord had for you. Here's what he means. We focus on this while God's looking at this. We're just one small part of a much larger picture. It is not my responsibility and it's not your responsibility to map out the life of someone that comes to Christ. You never know what that person is going to do. You never know. I've said it time and time again. Uh, I said it this past year when we talked about parenting. I'll say it again. You know, maybe as a parent, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is going to be the child you're raising. Because they're going to do something incredible. And maybe your greatest contribution is just making sure that person's raised to know the Lord. And I'm telling you, if that's all I'm called to live for, I'm good with that. I'm absolutely good with that. We, we focus on what's right in front of us. Our Lord focuses on what's around us and beyond us. Philip's job was to be faithful and obedient. God's job was to change the world. And that was about to happen. So verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? I mean, look, I mean, this dude's doing all the work for Philip, right? I mean, he's doing all the work. Hey, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip would go, well, we got to go to church. We got to do this. We gotta. He said, why not? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. I got to be honest, I'd love to see that. You're there, and suddenly you're gone. Now, where he reappears, if you, if you got dig through your Bible, it's like a hundreds of miles away. Love to have seen that. Love to have been Philip, and it's, that would have been cool. That's better than any roller coaster ride ever, I'm just telling you. But here's the thing. So, what you're reading, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, and hey, will you come sit with me? Okay. Can you explain this to me? Okay. There's water. Who was stopping me from being baptized? Uh, the carriage is moving. Other than that, nothing. The eunuch never saw him again, but went his way rejoicing. 
Never saw him again. Philip made a difference in the world. He had no impact, no idea was going to take place. And that wasn't his job to know that. His job was just to be available where God wanted him to be on the road. Folks, you will never know what God can do through you if you're not willing to be a part of what God is doing. Don't say God can't. If you make yourself available, available God can, and He will. may not be something like this, but it'll be something big. I'll bet you, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but if I were, I would bet you that somewhere along the way, some of you have made a difference in someone's life. You have no idea. You know how I know that? Because there's people that made a difference in my life who have no clue. That because they came in, because God put me in their path, I am where I am today. And they have no idea. So if it's true for me, that's true for people God's placed in front of me and in front of you. And all he asks is we just be available. So years ago, uh, when I first got out of college, we lived in Conyers, Georgia. And um, that, at that time in my life, I was playing a lot of basketball, maybe too much. Um, I, I'm always afraid to ask that question. But in the car, trunk of my car were high tops, socks, dirty socks, a knee brace, shorts, and a T-shirt. Because if a game broke out, I was not going to, well, you want to play? No. Yeah, I want to play. You got clothes? If you don't mind the smell, I sure do. And so I played a lot, and, and so we used to go play at Heritage High School every Saturday afternoon. And we played with some guys from church and some other people, and one of the guys that we played with was a coach at Heritage, and, you know, coaches have keys and stuff, so we played in the gym all the time, and, and, um, and we just went, I was just there to play basketball. That's, I was just there to play basketball. And um, one day, Dennis... Brings this gal with him named Misty, one of his former players. So one girl playing with a bunch of dudes who are pretty serious about basketball. Either you're pretty fierce or you're not going to last but one Saturday. She was fierce. And so we played ball. And so she started coming back and started coming back. And I had never met her before, never seen her before. And... Just got to know her playing basketball. And I don't remember how it happened, but one day, God cracked the door open, and I put my foot in it. And I just started talking to her about, because she had, I had invited her to church, and she had started, she'd been coming to church some. And I ended up baptizing her in Christ. Never would have happened if I didn't go play basketball. Never would happen. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do is just be where God wants you to be when God needs you to be there. That's what a life on mission is all about. Being available and being willing to do whatever it is God leads you to do. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the questions. You just have to be available and trust that the Lord will lead you in the process. You never know. We should pray for people. Absolutely. 
You know, we talk about who's your one and praying for your one and all those things. And that's absolutely true. But if you really want to be different, if you really want to live a life on mission, a life on point, then just choose to make a difference today. When you go to lunch, when you go home, go to the store, whatever you just choose to make a difference. I'm available, Lord. Whatever you need. And you know what? He may not need you today. And that's okay. And he might need you tomorrow, and he might need you next week, and he might need you next month. But one day, God's going to have you at the right place at the right time to have the right conversation with the right person. And it's going to happen. I venture a guess it's already happened in, in many of your lives. You, the question is, did you realize it, or did you run from it? Folks, the truth is compassion drives us to find God's heart for the world and embrace it daily. Compassion, not arrogance, not self-righteousness, not judgmental, not anything other than compassion to see lost people found and hurting people get help. Broken people find, their, find the one who can put their lives together. That's compassion. A life on mission is driven by compassion. There's nothing you will do to be more compassionate than making a difference in someone's life today or tomorrow or whenever God calls you to do it. Philip's greatest attribute is he was available. Will you be available when God calls you? Father, we are thankful for um, this story. It's, it's an amazing story about a guy who just went for a walk who made a difference in the world. He had no idea what was at stake. He had no idea what was going to happen. He really didn't know who this guy was. He didn't know the impact this guy was going to make. He didn't know that the gospel was going to Africa. He just met a guy on the road and talked to him about what he was reading. And you did everything else. And honestly, it's as simple as that if we just trust you. It's as simple as that. Lord, drive us to have the compassion to make a difference in someone's life. Sometimes it may just be a small difference. Sometimes it may be an eternal difference. Sometimes it may be, we may do something so impactful that it changes the course of someone's life and we never know it and that's okay. Our job is not to know. Our job is just to be available. Thank you for Jesus who changed the course of our lives by choosing the compassion to give his life for us. We pray these things in his name.